I don't know about you, but sometimes I really kind of empathize with the older son in the parable because it really seems like he's getting the short end of the stick and doesn't get what he deserves. And I was thinking about a time in my life when I first entered seminary. It's actually the first year of seminary, pre-theology. And I was sent to study in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, outside of Pittsburgh, at a place called St. Vincent. And at St. Vincent, it's run by a, a group of Benedictines. It's an arch abbey. It's a seminary. It's also a college about the size of Carroll College, maybe a little bit bigger than Carroll College. And so I was told, you know, the college doesn't start here for four weeks. The seminary starts four weeks ahead of the college. So you'll get here, you'll see some monks around, but there won't be really much going on except for the seminarians. They really are the only ones that are here doing things. We had to be there in early August. So I made the long drive and finally, you know, got there toward the end of the day, got just a few miles outside of St. Vincent, and I hit a traffic jam. And I was thinking, maybe there's a wreck, you know, someone's broke down. And slowly but surely, the line of cars just kept crawling along, crawling along. And finally, when I got up closer, I could see they were all turning in to the entrance to St. Vincent. And I thought, what's this? I mean, they said the college doesn't start for four weeks. I mean, I can't imagine there's all these people out here to celebrate seminarians. It'd be nice to think about that, but... I don't think people get that excited about it. I mean, literally, there were thousands of people. And so I finally turn in, and there's a sign. The first thing I see is, all others this way. And then to my left, I see Pittsburgh Steelers training camp this way. Well, I had no idea. The Pittsburgh Steelers train at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. That's where they have their training camp. And the reason why college starts late is so the Steelers can live in the air-conditioning dorms that the owner built while they're having their training camp. So we were there as the Pittsburgh Steelers were training. And the first <clears throat> night we went to the dining hall and in the dining hall there, it's big enough to, to incorporate everyone, including all the college students. They had it split in half and they had these uh, wood walls. So you could kind of see through a grate a little bit, but it was all the way across and there were a couple openings. And so we walk in and man, I smelled the aroma of prime rib. And I was like, someone says, look, there's lobster over there. And, and there was this huge dessert buffet and all of this food, just these mount, this big pasta thing. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to be sweet eating like this. And then someone said, no, 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 guys, that's for the Steelers. You can't get past that, that wall there. You guys come over here. And so we went over and there's this little thing set up and there's this little kind of trough thing. And, and we're all looking at what, what is that? I think that's chicken. Yeah, that's chicken. No, that's too small to be chicken. No, it's chicken. They must have been tortured chickens. So I don't know how they got that small. So that was the meal. So the next day we go back in, and it's the same thing. Prime rib just wafting throughout the whole dining hall and these incredible things. And you see, you can see, you're know, kind of looking through the grate like, oh, there's that player, there's this player. I know that guy. These huge, enormous people eating copious amounts of food. And then we go look in our trough, and it was like, what's that? And no one knew what it was. And it, I, someone said, I think it has ketchup on it. And to the left, there's, there's some other thing that's this red stuff, but it's not ketchup. And I 
you know, it looks like goo, and I don't know what that is. So it said, look, there's a sign, it's burritos. So we, we like got them, and they were folded up, and there was some sort of mashed stuff in it with ketchup on it. <clears throat> That's how they do it in Pennsylvania. Anyway, <clears throat> and so finally one guy just broke down. He says, this isn't fair. This isn't right. And he got up and just started walking right toward the Steeler side of things, and he got about one step inside, and two very large guys came out of nowhere and grabbed him and just picked him up, turned him around, and pointed him back over. So maybe I do feel a little bit empathy for the older son <laughs> when there's a feast going on and you've been left out of things. How often do you feel that way, <clears throat> that God has kind of left you out of things? There's the characters in the parable tonight, three basic characters, right? The father the younger son and the older son. The thing that the two sons were trying to do, if you really think about it, they were trying to see love as something you earn or something that you lose. They didn't really get the idea about love. What is love? I've lost my father's love. I'm going to go back and just be a servant. Maybe he'll take me back. Or... I've done everything my father asked me to do. I should therefore deserve all of his love. Do you ever feel that way? You have to remember this, that God loves you unconditionally. You can do nothing to lose the love of God. You can do nothing to lose the love of God. But in the same way, don't think that you earn the love of God so you can get extra things so you can go across to have the feast. That's not how it works either. We have to put away this idea that we earn this, these things. And so the younger son, he was greedy. He was like, I have all this access. I'm going to just go live my life the way I want to. And he realized that he was missing something. Life wasn't the same. In the same way, the older son, and this is, I think, how many of us see our faith. He lived a life of compliance. Do you live a Christian life? I comply with what God wants. I, I follow. I can do my checklist. I comply. And God, I comply. Why don't you give me what I want? I deserve to have the right girlfriend or boyfriend. I deserve to be popular. I deserve to make good grades. I deserve to be popular. I deserve to have things go well. I deserve to enjoy my college experience to the full. I did everything right. And now this is happening. God, why are you doing this? See, love is not about compliance. We have to get these ideas out of our head that we lose God's love or something. Now, it's hard because today, families struggle. The uh, uh, 1917 vision at Fatima that was kind of part of the consecration that really the world did this few days ago, Our Lady told the visionaries that the last battle of this age would be the struggle over the family. So if you have issues in your family, that shouldn't surprise you. And don't think you're not like everyone else. The family is struggling. And why? Because we've been deceived into thinking that somehow we've lose love or gain love or earn things because of love. 
But the Father wants to tell us that he loves us. But if we know that we're loved, do we trust him enough to, to follow him? To know that he's going to take care of us. We need to move in our Christian walk from compliance to surrender. Surrender to God. Just say, Lord, whatever you want, you know best because you love me. I trust. I don't expect. I don't demand. I don't blame. I'll do the best I can because you love me and I love you. I surrender my heart to you. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Another way to translate that is surrender to God and he will surrender to you. That's love. That Jesus Christ surrenders to us. So what in your life are you struggling with surrendering? That you're holding on to. That you're saying, God has failed me this way. God didn't give me what I deserve. Or I'm just want to sin too much. There's no way I can go back as a child of God. I'm just not worthy. Don't believe those lies. Instead, surrender. There are um, two individuals I'd like to highlight. The first is Father or some often referred to as Don DeLindo. Now, who is Don DeLindo? He's a servant of God, so he's on the pathway of canonization. And he was Padre Pio's spiritual director. Now, imagine having that job. <laughs> Padre Pio, the stigmatic, the mystic, knows the future, can read souls, and you're directing him. But Padre Pio always spoke very highly of him. And Jesus revealed to him something called the Surrender Novena. You can find it on the internet uh, if you search for it, the Surrender Novena. I, uh, you know, I, I printed it out. One of the things that was really wild that I couldn't get rid of is this, these advertisements all over this page for this movie called Father Stew. God needed a fighter, and he found one. I don't know, April 13th. Just, I don't know if anyone knows. There you go. But anyway, so the Surrender Novena basically is given by our Lord to Don DeLindo, Father DeLindo. And it's very powerful. And if we would just listen to these words and take them deep into our hearts and live by them, your Christian walk will not be the same. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you will live by these words of surrender, your Christian life will not be the same. So here's some words that Jesus gives through this surrender novena. Maybe close your eyes. What is it that you're holding on to that you don't want to surrender to God? What is it you blame God for or think there's no way this can be fixed or I lack this? Surrender to God. In the world with the wars and the threat of wars and all the fear of it and the senselessness of it, do we surrender to God? Do we trust God? Some of the words of this novena come from our Lord, and here they are. You see evil growing instead of weakening. Do not worry. Close your eyes and say to me with faith, thy will be done. 
you take care of it. And I say to you that I will take care of it. And I will intervene as does a doctor. And I will accomplish miracles when they are needed. Repose in me, believing in my goodness. And I promise you by my love that if you say, you take care of it, Jesus, I will take care of it. Why do you confuse yourselves by worrying? Leave the care of your affairs to me and everything will be peaceful. I say to you in truth that every act of true, blind, complete surrender to me produces the effect that you desire and resolves all difficult situations. Surrender to me does not mean to fret or to be upset or to lose hope, nor does it mean offering me to me a worried prayer, asking me to follow you and change your worry into something you want. It is against surrender to do this, deeply against it, to worry, to be nervous, and to desire to think about the consequences of anything. There's another soon-to-be saint, St. Charles Foucault. He's going to be canonized May 15th of this year. He writes this about surrender. This is his prayer of surrender. Father, I abandoned myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. I want to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and without bonds, but with confidence, for you are my Father. Are you willing to abandon yourself into the Father's love and trust him? You might feel too far away from God. Don't worry, God still loves you. He's calling you back. Surrender to his love. And you may feel like that God has failed you and you've lived a really, you've done everything right. Surrender that to God. Because God has a plan that none of us really know for sure what it is, but he just says, I'm your father. Everything I have is yours. Trust me. Surrender to my love.